Well, amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 13, if you would please, Acts chapter number 13. And uh, if you would pray for David Archer, he is in St. Anne's and he had um, some physical uh, difficulties this past week and, and uh, he's been in the hospital for a few days and is still there. And uh, he texted me and said, let people know that I like visitors. And so I'm gonna let you know that David likes visitors. He's at St. Anne's in room 1108, 1108. So if you'll uh, just let him know that you, um, praying for him. And then pray for Barbara uh, Corser, if you would, please. She had the memorial service of her husband yesterday. And uh, Tom went home to be with the Lord. And um, so just pray for the family, if you would, please. Um, this is Diane Cockrell's uh, stepfather-in-law as well. And so, or stepfather, I'm sorry. So if you just please pray for uh, this family, um, many family in our church uh, related to this, to this dear family. So pray for Barb, if you would, please. And uh, I know she would appreciate your prayers. Acts chapter number 13, Acts chapter 13, we will begin a new chapter here in the book of Acts, an exciting chapter. The center of the church has been to this point, Jerusalem. And everything we've studied, pretty much everything we've studied other than uh, when we touched on uh, chapter number 11 about the book of uh, or the city of Antioch where they were first called Christians, we, uh, we find that the majority of what's taken place is centered out of Jerusalem. The day of Pentecost came in Acts chapter number two, that Peter got up and he, and he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that 3,000 souls were saved that day and continually people were added to the church. There were different times where large multitudes of people that heard the gospel of Jesus Christ trusted in Jesus Christ and were, were saved. We find that all throughout the book of Acts. And we saw many a times, though, they, as the church was growing, as, as the Lord was blessing the church, that there was attacks that would come. There were problems within the church. There were problems outside of the church. There was great persecution that came as we've studied through the book of Acts. This past chapter, chapter number 12, we find Herod is persecuting the church. Now we find uh, one of the apostles were killed. Peter was placed into, into prison, the apostle Peter, and, and the church prayed, and Peter was, was uh, uh, broke out of prison by an angel. And Herod upset about this. And we find that uh, uh, the end of the chapter, chapter 12, that Herod dies and, and the word of the Lord continues to grow and is multiplied. Every time persecution came to the church, the Bible said of the church, the church grew and was multiplied. Men have tried and leaders and rulers have tried to stop what God is doing throughout human history. You know, it always happens. God always wins. The end of the story is true as well. We're going to find that, that there's going to be one, an antichrist is going to come and, and set up his kingdom in the temple and, and rule and, and, and uh, uh, say that he is God. And, and, uh, but guess what? In the end, God always wins. We find that to be true. We serve a living God. We serve a God that sits on the throne. We serve a God that is in control. We serve a God that is intricately involved in the affairs of mankind. That's why when we come to church, like this morning, we have something to rejoice in. We're not serving religion. We're not serving a church. We're not serving a human being. We are serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that is who we come to worship today. We're excited about that. But there's a change here. And I enjoy preaching through this book. i be honest with you, as I began to pray many, many weeks, months ago now about preaching through the book of Acts on a Sunday morning, I thought, Lord, I, I don't want to, 
I don't want to bore the church. I don't, I don't, I want to make sure that we're meeting people's needs. And what's so interesting as we've gone through chapter by chapter, verse by verse through this book, we found needs are being met. We find that God is working in, in the church here, the New Testament church, and he's working in our church as well. And we've touched on many topics. The goal of wanting to preach through this book or any book of the Bible, many books, is so that we get a better understanding of the word of God. Many people today, they don't know where to start. They see this Bible and they just kind of open it up and they say, it just doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. And uh, it's like swallowing, with, uh, uh, drinking from a, from a fire hydrant, you know, if, if we're not careful. And so the purpose of going through this book is so that we could see the early church, the beginning of it, and then what God began to do, how he grew the church and, and, and the trials of a church. You know what you find? What we find in the book of Acts, we find in our own lives as well. And we find this, I hope that you'll find this as well, that God is always victorious. Whatever you're dealing with today, whatever you're going through today, you've got to understand and recognize that God is victorious. He's in control. It doesn't matter what problem you're going through today, what difficulties you're dealing with, God is in control. And he knows who you are. He knows your address, he knows where you live, and he has not forgotten about you. You are in a plan that God has and he's unfolding for your life. And the same thing is happening here in Acts chapter 13. It seems like at any moment the church is in trouble. It seems like at any moment the church can just go under. It seems like at any moment here because kings have persecuted the church, religious leaders are persecuting the church, a deacon has been killed, the apostle has been killed and, and a great threat has gone out and it's caused people to move out of Jerusalem and begin to go as far as Antioch and in other places because there's a great threat. If you looked at the moment, now we get to see it from a big picture because we have the finished word of God, but if you were there in the moment living in that day, not knowing knowing the next chapter of the book of Acts, there's probably people that were living at that time thought, this is done. This is the end. It seems hopeless. It, it, what are we going to do now? James is dead. Peter's in prison. What are we going to do now? If, if, if the kings and the religious leaders, they kill every leader in our church, what's going to be left? These were real human beings dealing with real struggles. In Acts chapter number 13, we find now there were in the church that was in Antioch, certain prophets and teachers. So we move now from Jerusalem and we're going to see this church in Antioch, this church where they were first called Christians. There was a man by the name of Barnabas that we find here in this church. And, and uh, we find now in this chapter, we've looked and I've, I've confused it every week. I've, instead of saying Saul, I've said Paul. I've said, instead of saying Paul, I've said Saul. They were they're the same person. And, and up until this chapter, his name was Saul. In this chapter, moving forward, his name is going to be called Paul. And then we're going to read the rest of this chapter of the great apostle Paul in his missionary journeys. How many of you heard of Paul and his, his missionary journeys? Well, they begin here in this chapter. The, the people were being saved in Jerusalem and now we're going to see the gospel of Jesus Christ spread throughout the known world. And this great 
apostle, this man by the name of Paul, this one that used to persecute the church, this one that was there consenting to the death of the deacon Stephen, now he is being used of God to take the message of Jesus Christ to a world that needs to hear him. The Bible says, verse number two, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work wherein, whereunto I have called them. When they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Salatia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were uh, at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. And when they had gone through unto the Isle of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus. When he when was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paul, uh, Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the, the sorcerer, for so is his name interpreted, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. So here there's this sorcerer that is standing against uh, Paul and, and John and Barnabas, and this deputy here in the land here, he is, he is uh, interested in the gospel. He's interested in what's being preached. And this sorcerer is doing everything he can to withstand or convince this deputy not to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Then Saul, and here is the change, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. And said, O full of subtility and all mischief, thou child of the devil, uh, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a, a mist and a, and a darkness. And he sent about seeking to lead him, uh, sent, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Father, would you help us today as we continue this study? What an amazing thing takes place in the church. We see the beginning of, of missions. We see the beginning of missionaries being sent. Lord, this is not something that man has decided to do. This is not something that religion has come up with. Lord, you told your disciples, you told the church to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. And the church is doing this. And Lord, I pray that our church and churches today in this generation would be obedient and follow this example. So teach us something today. May we learn something from your word that would challenge us, that would increase our faith, that would grow us, that would cause us to be more gospel-centered in everything that we do. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Now we see the spreading of the gospel, the spreading of the gospel to Asia Minor and the spreading of the gospel to, to Europe. This message today may be more of a teaching message, not necessarily a, a preaching-type message today, but... It's a message that I, we need to get and we need to understand because this is a very vital point, a very vital part of the New Testament church. It's missions. It's sending people from the church to the uttermost parts of the world 
so that the world can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not everyone can go. Not everyone is going to be called here to be a missionary. And I don't believe this, that someone that's not called, they shouldn't feel guilty because they're not called, but someone that is called should feel guilty if they don't go. It's a calling from the Lord, and we'll see that here in a moment. This past week, I had the privilege to spend some time in the Dominican Republic a few days, and, and um, uh, outside of the fact it was 80 degrees there um, and beautiful, I didn't get to see anything uh, much beautiful there. I spent a lot of time. We were in meetings. There were about 13 or, well, I guess there was 14 men that were uh, come to be ordained in the gospel ministry there, and they would begin to plant churches and start churches there on the island. Uh, all but one of them would uh, plan to start churches there in the Dominican Republic, and one was a Haitian man that was going to go over to Haiti and begin ministering there in Haiti. And, and so as we were there all day long, we would uh, meet with these men. There were pastors that came in to do this from the States and also some national pastors there in the Dominican that sat in this ordination council. And we, we grilled these men and talked to these men about their doctrine, about their belief and, and how exciting it was. And knowing what I would be preaching and I'd go back to my room and study for this weekend and, and just be so excited that we were a part of New Testament church, New Testament missions. There a missionary has been there for some 30 years, has given his life to preaching and teaching the gospel. And many, many souls of, uh, uh, there in that island have been saved. And in some 42 men now have been ordained and now have started churches there on the island, uh, the Dominican Republic. And, and God is reproducing uh, uh, those churches. Those men that were there uh, were men that had gotten saved baptized, trained up in the seminary there, and now they were leaving, coming from those 42 churches that had been established uh, originally from this missionary. Now they're coming and they're now sending out men to go and, and preach the gospel and start churches uh, in their part of the world. And, and just what a wonderful uh, few days that was to, to see God working. We had several, I don't remember the number of, of men and women that had graduated. We had a graduation service on Friday evening. I graduated from the seminary there. And, and uh, some, of those that, some of those men that graduated were the ones that were ordained. And just a marvelous example of the New Testament church. People being called, surrendered, and going into the mission field. It was humbling to sit there and see and be a part of this. I wonder if that's what it was like here in chapter 13. The church takes these men like Barnabas and Saul and John, and the Bible says they lay hands on these men and they send them out to do the work of the ministry. They send them out with the gospel message, the most powerful message that mankind can take. And think about that, the truth. We see the condition that the world is in. The world is wicked. The world is evil. We see the evil just continuing to grow. And we hear the horror stories that happen around this uh, world. We see how uh, uh, men and women are abused and, and just used in the wickedness of mankind. And we know that the answer is what we find in the word of God, what we hear preached every single week from this pulpit, from this church. The answer to man's need, his greatest need is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel that changes lives. 
And here the church recognizes that. This church in Antioch recognizes that the gospel needs to go forth and they take these men, this Paul and Barnabas and John, and they ordain these men, they send these men on this missionary journey. Some argue, some say this, and I've heard um, some preachers argue this, the reason why God raised up the church at Antioch is because the church in Jerusalem got uh, focused inwardly. It got focused on itself. It was concerned about its own self. And I, I don't know if that's necessarily true or not. I see where some may believe that. But we don't know why it didn't begin from the, uh, the church at Jerusalem, but we do find that it has started here in the, uh, the church at Antioch. But what I do know is this, that we ought to see this example of the New Testament church and that we too ought to, to desire to be like the church of Antioch where we're sending people out into the fields, the fields, the Bible says, that are white under the harvest so that they can spread the gospel message. As I thought about this passage of scripture and thought about this, this uh, uh, chapter 13 and the time that I was with these, these men and these ladies that graduated and these men that were ordained for the ministry, I thought about uh, even our church as we begin to plan and prepare to start churches around the Toledo area and whoever, wherever God desires for churches to be started, it's going to take a church that's willing to send its best to the fields that are widened to harvest so that people could hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. In church, as we begin this passage, this lesson here today, I just want to remind us, let's, let us remember that the goal of the church is the gospel message. The goal of our church, the goal of every believer here, the prayer of every believer here ought to be that God raises up men and women to go out into the fields that are widened to harvest. That means this, they're ready to hear the gospel. The problem, the Bible says, is the laborers are few. It ought to be the desire of our church to see people raised up and sent out so that people here in this community and around this world would hear the message of Jesus Christ, the most important message a man could hear. And so we find here in verse number one, we find the beginning of missions. This church, it literally means a called out assembly of, of saved and baptized believers purchased by the blood indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. That's what a church is. It's a, it's a, it's a, a called out assembly that God has assembled together for the purpose of being the, the place that preaches the gospel message. The church we find here is growing. We find here in this passage of scripture that, that uh, uh, no matter what persecution, as I said earlier, no matter what persecution comes, no matter what happens to the church, it just seems like the church continues to grow. And the reason why I believe this is that every believer here, they're using their gifts, they're using their talents for the Lord. A church is a growing church when those that are a part of the church use what God has blessed them with so that God receives glory from their life. Every single believer ought to be doing something in their local church so that Jesus Christ is glorified, so that God is honored, so that glory is brought to him, so that his name is known all across this world. That ought to be the goal of the believer. Every single person here ought to desire to be a part of a church, not so that they just come and get, but at, there comes a time, believer, that you ought to be contributing, serving, using your gifts 
so that Jesus Christ is glorified. Now, some of the things that we see, maybe the, the preaching, the teaching takes place this morning, those that use their talents in singing and playing instruments. Aren't you so glad that there are people that have talents in those areas and that we don't have to use people that don't have talents? Huh? The reason why I sit on the front row is because my voice goes forward and there's nobody in front of me that gets to hear me because no one in front of me wants to hear my voice. But I'm so glad there's people that God's blessed with voices and are, are willing to use their talents. I'm so glad right now there are people that are teaching that God has blessed with the gift of teaching that are using that, that talent so that young boys and girls and teenagers and adults can hear the word of God by those that God has equipped to teach the word of God. Something that's exciting here, and you find in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, that God gifts the church with, with many, many different positions and many uh, different people. He gives them so the church can continue to grow, continue to move forward, continue to see people saved. Well, one of the exciting things this year already, I believe if we're in our sixth week or so, four of the six weeks, we've baptized someone that has trusted Jesus Christ as your savior. That's what the church ought to be, go, uh, ought to be doing. We ought to, uh, it ought to be something that we don't take for granted ever, but something that we say often, the, the, the baptismal waters are being stirred because that's what the church ought to be constantly doing, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, baptizing those that, that believe and, and then, and then, uh, 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 discipling them and bringing them into the church and teaching them what God has blessed them with so that they too can begin to share the glorious gospel message of Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of the church. That's why we exist. God has blessed this church just like he has blessed the church at Antioch so that you use your gifts for his glory and his honor. My question to you today is, are you using what God has blessed you with? If he's blessed you with something, are you using it so that glory can be given to God? Here in this passage of scripture, we find this church is growing because everyone was using their gifts. Barnabas, he was an encourager. Barnabas was an equipper. Could you imagine, and we, 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 maybe you haven't read ahead or maybe you're not familiar with the book of Acts, but this man Barnabas, you're gonna hear his name often. And this man Barnabas, he was a, an encourager. When, when others maybe were afraid of, of, of the Apostle Paul because of the Apostle Paul's past, Barnabas was willing to go and, and get uh, the Apostle Paul and bring him and defend him and stand up for him. He was willing to encourage the church. He was willing to encourage the Apostle Paul. He was willing to encourage. Why? Not so that he could make a name for himself because he was concerned that the, the gospel message went forth. He was concerned that God received glory in the church. And so he was willing to be an encourager. He was willing to be an equipper. He was willing to do whatever needed to be done. He was willing to go. He was willing to be sent. He was willing to be used. He was, he was obedient to the spirit of God. And the church was blessed because of it. I pray that God blesses our church because you're willing to be used. I mean, every building that has a church name on it isn't always being blessed by God. That unfortunate number, thousands of churches every year, they close their doors. I was talking to 
one of our men in our church, and he's out today in a couple churches. He's a Gideon. He presents the Gideon ministry to churches. He comes back and he'll say, he'll say, Pastor, boy, I went to a church and, and it's not good. It, it's declining and it just seems like it's dry and it's dead. And, and he says, I'm concerned. And, and people that get out and to see different churches, and maybe you, for you, you don't get out and, and see churches, maybe just on vacation or, or, or that sort of, but a lot of times I'll talk to pastors and, and, and talk to different people around different areas of the country or even different areas of the world. You know what I find? That some churches are dry, some churches are dead, nothing's happening. Fewer, unfortunately, fewer uh, 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 people are being baptized on an annual basis. They say of this country, we are in a post-Christian uh, uh, time in our generation where, where people used to go to church and, and many people today don't feel the need, don't, don't see the need to even attend church any longer. And that's not what was happening here in the book of Ant, uh, 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 Acts here at this church in Antioch. The people in the church, you know what keeps a church going forward? You know what keeps a church moving? You know what keeps a church growing? When the people of the church see that their responsibility is to use the gifts and the, and the abilities that God has given them as an individual to use them in their local church. You know what keeps a church growing? When the church, the people that sit in the church, the members of the church, the people that make up the church, see it as their responsibility to take the gospel message and tell other people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what causes a church to continue to grow. Every saint ought to be a servant. Every saint at the church willing to serve other people. We see this church as a growing church. I find in this passage of scripture as well, the Bible says that they ministered to the Lord and they fast and they prayed. They, uh, they, they called out the, the uh, uh, verse number three, when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. And we see this often. And, and, and as, as it's pointed out in the passage of scriptures, as we study Acts, we're gonna mention it every single time. I believe as much as the, the Bible talks about it, we ought to talk about it. You know what we find consistently happening? It seems like in every every single chapter, whether God's blessing or it seems like persecution's there, it doesn't matter what we do is we find the church continually praying. I think one of the reasons why many churches are declining today is because they, they talk much of prayer, but they, the action of prayer is little. Here the church prays. They minister to the Lord. This was a congregation praying together, seeking the mind of God. Oh, hear me, church, please, please hear this today. May we never be a church that comes up with our own agenda, with our own desires, what we want to do. May we be a praying church that seeks the mind of God. Listen to me, it's not about man's opinions. In a church this size, we could have multiple opinions and, and hundreds of opinions of things that we ought to do. And how do we decipher those things out? How do we know which is the right one to follow when there can be so many different opinions? I'll tell you how we know that is when the church is willing to come together and pray and seek God's face and know his mind and the desire to do his will, then and only then will a church move forward. Because it's not based upon the intellect or the, 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 the smarts or the, the, the wisdom or the knowledge of man. It's totally dependent upon God. It's dependent upon our willingness to get down on our knees and, and worship him and pray and seek his mind. We see this 
church is growing. We see this church is praying at the beginning here of missions. So if God is going to reach the world for Christ, the church has to be moving forward and the church has to be praying. I talk to many missionaries that come home off the field. They say this, one of the saddest things, those that go around the world, they'll come home, many take a furlough out between four and five, six years maybe. They come home and this is the, the, the nine out of 10 missionaries and sometimes it may be 10 out of 10 missionaries. I'll ask them what's different and they'll say the church in America is so different. Matter of fact, they say now it takes a missionary almost three years to get to the mission field. Three years of traveling, constantly driving from church to church to raise support. And the reason why is churches are declining. Missionary, many a times when they come home from furlough, they desire to take rest and they need some rest. But many of them, what they have to do is spend that time home on furlough to get into, try to get into more churches because many of the churches that supported them no longer either exist or have decreased their support because churches are dying. Not the church in Antioch. They determined to grow. They determined to pray here at the beginning of this missions. Missions can go forward when the church goes forward and the church is praying. I want you to see secondly here in this passage of scripture in verse number two, in verse number three, we find as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereinto I have called them. When they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and they sent them away. I want you to see secondly, the calling of missionaries here. And this is more maybe to teach our church and help our church understand missions, but the calling of missionaries, the Holy Spirit does the choosing. I'm very cautious of people that they see something and they get it within themselves to want to do something. Listen, a, a missionary isn't one that has a passion first. A missionary is one that's first called by God. Here in this passage of scripture, those, those that uh, uh, God has their hand upon, those that he's called them to do, the last thing someone wants to do is to try to go someplace around this world and try to, try to uh, uh, be a missionary if God hasn't called them to it. There's too much opposition. There's too many issues. There's too many problems. But God calls men and women. I want you to see this. This is not something that man has made up. This is not something that men sat in a room and, and women sat in a room and said, how are we going to take the gospel to the world? And some say, well, uh, let's just send this person. Or somebody says, well, I guess I'll go and do this. No, the calling of missionaries, they are chosen by the Holy Spirit of God. Missions is a work of God, not a work of man. This is something that God has called people to. And I want you to understand this. This is something that God has called those within the local church to do. That means this, every church, every growing church, every praying church, every healthy church ought to be a church where God is looking into them saying, I'm calling, I need laborers for the harvest field. And he looks into churches like ours and churches like the church here at Antioch and says, there's those in the church that are faithfully serving. There are those in the church that are faithfully using their talents. Those are the ones that will call to go do the work of missions. Listen, we must seek the leading of God. The Spirit of God chooses those within the church. And the church just simply recognizes who the Spirit of God has chosen. 
Here they laid hands on those uh, Barnabas and Saul. I want you to understand something, church. It wasn't the church deciding who they were going to send. It was the Spirit of God deciding who they were going to send, and the church was agreeing with the Spirit of God. That's how missions is done. The church doesn't say, this is who we'd want to send. The church member doesn't say, I think I want to go. No, it all starts with the Spirit of God saying, I'm choosing you. That person then must be surrendered to the Spirit of God, and the church just simply recognizes the, the Spirit's calling on that life, and the church says, we want to participate in sending this missionary to go. That's what happened here at the Church of Antioch. I want you to see here the local church was sent. The, the calling of missionaries, the Holy Spirit chooses it. The local church sends them. The local church is the sending agency for the missionary. That's what we find here in Acts chapter number 13. The church fasted and the church prayed, the Bible says in verse number two, in verse number three, the, the church fasted, fast, they pray. They saw the seriousness of God moving. Oh, hear me, this is where, if we're not careful, church, we, we, can, we can get into a place where we are, become inward focused and we want to spend finances and want to spend our resources on, on making sure we're profited and making sure things are comfortable for us. But I want you to see here, the local church is the, the sending agency. The local church, they fasted. The local church, they prayed and they said, we see the seriousness of what God is doing. God is still sending missionaries around this world. He's still calling people to the gospel ministry. One of the things that, that uh, as I talk to pastors, as I talk to missionaries, the, the problem is this. There's many missionaries that are coming off the field and many missionaries that are coming off the field. One of the things that they say that ought to, that ought to kind of cause us to, to take a pause, they say this, that there's not as many missionaries going back on the field that are coming off the field. Missionaries are retiring. They've been on the field for, for decades and, 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 and now they're, because of their age, they're not able to continue to serve, but they stay on the field and they stay there serving even though their health is in jeopardy and even though their mind isn't as, as sharp as it used to be. And you say, why do you continue to uh, serve? And they say, because there's nobody else coming. There's nobody else younger that's coming to take the place, to, to start churches, to see people saved. There's, there's a great problem with that in missions in, in the church today. I was speaking to several pastors this week that we were with and we were saying this, many Bible colleges are down in attendance. Over the last several years, I know of five or six Bible colleges that have closed up. These are colleges that were training men and women for the ministry. I... Some of you, maybe you don't understand, you know, it's not easy. It's when you're looking for, to hire, uh, bring people in for the gospel ministry to, to teach and be a part of the ministry. The problem is, as the Bible had said, the laborers are few. Often I'll call people I know, hey, do you know I'm looking, I'm needing somebody in this department. Do you know anybody? And they say, good luck with that. You're the fifth pastor today. Call me and ask me to, about if I knew somebody. The laborers are few. The church needs to see the seriousness of God's moving. They say this, more, uh, fewer and fewer young people are surrendering to the ministry. 
church, we need to be serious about this and we need to figure out what's happening. Because the church in Antioch, they saw the necessity of what God was doing and said, we are going to give for it. They were willing to sacrifice so that God could, could, could uh, uh, move. Uh, they could witness a great moving of God. I've said this to you before. I, I don't want to just read of great revivals that took place before. I don't want to read of great churches that took place in America of yesteryear. I want to see God, and I believe that God still wants to do great things. And, and I, I want to be a part. I want to witness God's moving in this generation. And, and even more, I want my children to witness God moving in their generation and my grandchildren to witness God moving in their generation. I, I, that's what our desire. And as a church, that ought to be our desire to see God moving and God working and God calling missionaries and God calling pastors and God calling people into the work of the ministry so that the gospel message continues to go forward. I wish I could take my, my passion, my burden to see churches planted here in this Toledo area. I wish I could just take it and place it in your heart. I was telling a pastor this week, one of the things I feel I failed at is just communicating to our church the desire that I really believe that God has, that we see churches planted and started. Listen, God has blessed this church for decades now. But I want you to know something, church. Not every community has a church like this. As a matter of fact, less and less communities in this nation have good Bible-believing churches where people can come and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sometimes if we're not careful, we take it for granted. But here, this church at Antioch, they were willing to sacrifice. They were willing to pray. They were willing to fast. I would ask you this, church, when's the last time you truly fasted so that God would send missionaries? When's the last time you fasted and prayed so that God would send church planters into Toledo? on my prayer list every day. Matter of fact, everyone I talk to, every, every, every conversation I have, I, I, I feel like I bring up, uh, uh, God called you to pastor, do you wanna come to Toledo and start a church? We'll, we, we'll make a good deal, we won't pay you. <laughs> we don't have any money to pay you, but we'll pray for you. See if we can find a building for you. We'll help paint that building. We'll, we'll have some vacation Bible schools. We'll support it. We'll, we'll, we'll do whatever we can, but will you come? You know what I find? There's churches all over this country that are saying the same thing. Will you come? The cities across this nation are collapsing. The cities across this nation are being filled with, with crime and, and hurt. And, and, and the generation growing up don't hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ, that God loves them and he loves them so much he gave his son. That's the message that we ought to be consumed with giving. Here I find in the book of Acts the church is obedient. The church, the people are willing to give of their best. These weren't uninvolved church members. Listen, I, I, have no, I have no time for missionaries that aren't involved in the local church. I, I don't find here in this passage of scripture that they said, who's not serving? Let's send them. No, Paul and Barnabas were active in their local church. They were teaching. They were actively involved. 
And God said, that's who I want to go. You, you, you take the best teachers, the best families in our church, and that's who I believe God calls to the mission field. Will they go? There are certain families, there are certain families I would say, God, just, just please don't send. Don't, don't, don't go. Don't, don't, uh, don't, don't, uh, you know, there's certain families I would say to the Lord, you know, like Steve Gagne, I would say, God, don't, don't send Steve. Don't, there's certain families you just think you can't do it without. I mean, he's involved in music and children's ministry. Don't send certain families, Lord. You know, don't send the ones that are faithful. Don't, don't, don't send the families that are teaching and, and heavily involved. There's certain, I'll just be honest with you, there's certain families, pastors, in the back of their mind, they're hoping, don't send them. Send somebody, but don't, don't send so, those families. But you know what that, you know what God normally does? What God always does? He reaches and he finds those that are involved. And those are the ones he sends. Paul and Barnabas are the active, thriving, they're, they're prayer warriors, they're fasting, they're teaching, they're serving. Listen to me, the church is involved, the missionaries are involved, the leaders are involved. <clears throat> My time is done, I need to be finished this morning. be honest with you, church, my heart is heavy. As I came to this passage of scripture in chapter 13, all week long, I've studied and I'd lay in my room late at night and just pray. And this is where the church needs to be. For chapter number 13, it was a good checkup for my life. How serious are we with missions? How much are we fasting and praying for our missionaries? Who in this church would say, I believe that the Holy Spirit of God is touching my life and wanting me to go and be surrendered? In church, are we willing to send? Are we willing to send Paul and Barnabas so that the gospel can go forth? I didn't get to this part of this, to the message, but the most important part I find is this. When Paul and Barnabas went and there was great opposition with this sorcerer, you know what God did? God worked and the deputy there in that land was saved. You see, it works when it's done God's way. A growing church because they're intricately involved in doing what God has gifted them to do a praying church because they care about God moving and what God cares about. Ascending church, they lay hands upon those that God has called. And what does God do? God then blesses and gives them fruit for their labor. I love to hear when people get saved. I love in missionary letters, there's some missionary letters I, I read and I think to myself, man, they're on a nice vacation. And then there's missionary letters I read and I say, boy, they are serving God. Souls are being saved. Lives are being changed. The gospel is going forth and the work of New Testament missions is being done. I wonder who in this church today would say, I wanna be a part of missions. I wanna be a part of giving. I wanna be a part of sacrificing. I wanna be a part of praying. Maybe you say this, God has dealt with my heart. I need to be surrendered. I need to be a part of going. 
Because the most important thing that can be done here on this earth is someone to give and someone to hear and someone to receive the gospel message of Jesus Christ.